This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and I am really excited to be joined this evening by special guest Bobby Sylvester from Fantasy Pros. Bobby, welcome back to the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me. It's, it's a blast to talk to you. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. I know last year I was privileged to be on your show once. You came on the Saturday to Sunday, so it's great to be talking to you again. I can't believe another full fantasy season is in the books. Obviously, now we're headed toward you know divisional playoffs this week. A lot of fun stuff going on in there. But I brought you on this evening because here at Saturday to Sunday, we follow all these guys throughout their college careers. The NFL draft is a big thing of what we do here. And then we kind of follow these guys through their rookie years, talking about them a lot every single week, you know, checking in on them. And then at the end of their rookie years, we kind of like to recap what yeah. what we saw and have some guests on to talk about it. And then kind of we kind of pass them on to, to all the other great dynasty shows that are out there. And then we turn our attention back to the collegiate guys. So I've been talking about these guys all year. So any anybody, regular listeners know my takes on so many of these guys. So I wanted to have you on tonight to talk some – uh, wide receivers and tight ends. So, so let's just start there. The wide receiver class. This was not a class that was really thought too highly of in the pre-draft process or even after the draft happened. But right. I think it kind of surprised me in terms of what we got from the rookies this year. So, what was your overall take from the rookie wide receiver class this year? You know, we've legitimately got four or five guys that we can rely on for a handful of years. Uh, a couple guys who were held back by injury or in Hardman's case, uh, playing time. Um, you know, we had Preston Williams who was hurt, Marquise Brown who was dealing through injuries. And, and maybe that'll just be what happens in their career. But the wide receiver class, it sure did impress me. It was much better than I expected. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I really do think there's a little bit of everything that you want. You want that good route runner who gets the ball, touches in manufactured ways, you can have Debo Samuel, or like you talked about, Mikol Harmon, who I'm a huge fan of once he gets his opportunity. Right. You want that more physical, big slot guy who can play on the outside, I think that's A.J. Brown in a nutshell. You want that home run hitter over the top, that's Marquise Brown, and maybe D.K. Metcalf is is reaching that plateau as well. You know, And then you got guys we didn't even really see yet much. Nikhil Harry, what's his future hold? Andy Isabella, yes. D.J. Arcega-White, side there's so many other guys out there so why don't we just start at the top is there is there a guy or two that you're most excited about because I know when I'm ranking these guys in terms of long term I think it's hard to rank the top I have AJ Brown yeah. at the top of my list but I'm not sure that that that's a consensus with Debo and McLaurin and and DK Metcalf on the top right. so who would be your number one or number two guys that you think you'd be most excited to either own or go after so if you were asking me who's the best wide receiver in this rookie class, I wouldn't say A.J. Brown. He's phenomenal. But when I watch Terry McLaurin play, I think, this kid's really special. I mean, A.J. Brown, he, he's really special as well, but I think he's just a tad behind McLaurin. Now, the issue is McLaurin's obviously tied to Dwayne Haskins. A.J. Brown is tied to uh, Ryan Tannehill, and while he doesn't throw as much, he was extraordinarily efficient. I think of A.J. Brown when I watch him play, and I see Golden Tate, but a lot bigger and more physical. This is a really extraordinary, like, extraordinary player. And, you know, we were talking about 2020 rankings on today's Fantasy Pros football podcast with Mike Taglier and Justin Boone. And we've all got A.J. Brown in our top 14 wide receivers next year. Now, if you're asking me long term, who do I want to be tied to the most? It's not A.J. Brown either. 
and it's not Terry McLaurin, it's DK Metcalf because he has Russell Wilson. And I think that next year, DK Metcalf is going to pass up Tyler Lockett. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very interesting take. And DK Metcalf is fascinating because the pre-draft narratives on DK Metcalf were really wide and broad in terms of what people thought about him. And I, I was fortunate enough. I know you guys have had Christopher Harris on your pod and, and you yeah. guys have been guests on his pod. And I went on his pod last year and, and did the wide receiver preview before the draft. And we talked about DK Metcalf and, and Chris was a big fan of him. And I was a little bit concerned about him transitioning to the NFL. Now he went I'm with you. <laughs> he went to the perfect landing spot. Yes, if you would have told me prior to the draft, that he was going to end up in Seattle, I think a lot of my concerns about him immediately transitioning to the NFL would have been mitigated. I looked at him and I was like, this guy's either going to be a souped-up version of Ted Ginn or he's going to be Josh Gordon. Like it, it could be that extreme, like the sure. good Josh Gordon, like Josh Gordon in Cleveland and dominating. And then he went to the Seattle. And now, I mean, now it looks like we're talking about this guy has the capabilities to be a star in this league and be that Josh Gordon type player where him and Russell Wilson are just going to make magic together. So you're, so you're saying he'd be the guy, if you could pick one guy from the one wide receiver that you'd want to have on as many teams as possible for the, for the long haul, Metcalf's your guy. Yeah, Metcalf is my guy for dynasty. If I'm if I'm thinking next five or six years, because the thing with AJ Brown is, you know, he breaks so many tackles. He breaks like every first tackle he ever sees. Eventually that's going to change. I think Metcalf's going to be who he is up until he's 28, 29, 30, uh, you know, barring any injury, any injuries. But I mean, this is a guy, he caught seven touchdowns on a hundred targets, 58 receptions this year. He could very well catch 14, 15 next year. I don't think you'd be surprised, would you? No, not at all. And to be honest with you, AJ Brown was my guy last year. He was my number one guy. So I've been excited okay. about how much he, how quickly he is translated. But I'd be naive if I was looking at these two guys and and not say that I think AJ Brown as a player, he'll get better. He'll fine tune things. But I think he's AJ, very very polished right now. Metcalf's still kind of raw. Exactly. I think AJ Brown's ceiling is kind of what we saw this year. Best case sure. scenario. I think D- DK Metcalf, if he starts to develop and refine his route running and expand his route tree based on what he's already showing, I think the ceiling for DK Metcalf is higher than AJ Brown. Yeah, and probably- like Mike, Mike Evans, Des Bryant, right? Those were top yeah. five wide receivers a couple times. Exactly. So I-, I could totally get behind that. And I think when next year, when teams are preparing for the Seahawks, I think DK Metcalf is going to give defensive coordinators more nightmares than even Tyler Lockett because of how big and physical he is on top of the speed that he possesses. So Metcalf, I I mean, what a steal the end of the second round that was. I'm glad you brought up Terry McLaurin. I want to go back to him for a second. He was my favorite rookie receiver coming into the year. I remember that, and that was at a, that was at a time when people laughed at me, man. People, yeah, not a lot of people, not a lot of people were putting him at that level. I liked McLaurin. I actually, it was funny that you mentioned Golden Tate a few minutes ago. I thought last year Terry McLaurin reminded me of a young Golden Tate, a Notre Dame Golden Tate, a Seattle Seahawk Golden Tate when he used to play on outside, but also had the versatility to play inside. Just his breaks, his separation quickness. I really liked him, but I didn't. I didn't see this kind of immediate success at the NFL level on a really poor team with Case Keenum and then Dwayne Haskins. I mean, I know we've heard the narrative. They played in in college together, and we'll see how, you know, Dwayne Haskins develops. But well, he still watched, cost, Dwayne Haskins still cost Terry McLaurin 30 fantasy points this year. I mean, he wide open missed him three times in the end zone. That's big time. Like, if he connects on that, 
we're talking about Terry McLaurin is having an incredible season. Yeah, and I think I think that's an opportunity. I, I've been saying this on Saturday and Sunday every time I do the NFL rookie reports that I almost wanted Terry McLaurin to struggle down the stretch. Right, so not, we could get him for a steal this offseason. Yes. <laughs> because I honestly think the hoopla, and I don't know how much you've dug into the 2020 class, the hoopla of this 2020 rookie class is going to hit an epic proportion. It might have, it might build to be the most talked about and hyped up draft class we've had in, in quite some time. So I think if McLaurin may be being a little inconsistent down the stretch with Dwayne Haskins, I think there's going to be a buying window. And yeah, okay, maybe you got to be a little aggressive, but maybe it's yeah. a late first round pick or an early second round pick. Would you or, trade like eighth overall pick in, in this year's rookie dynasty uh, draft for Terry McLaurin? I think I think it's close, and it's I really I, close. I don't, I, don't, even, I don't know which way it'd go. Matt and I actually here at Saturday Sunday actually did that task with a lot of the rookies, and we we were basically you know that we would take AJ Brown. As for a late first, you know, we would, we would, we would want AJ Brown for, instead of a late first round rookie pick. And we would want, obviously, Josh Jacobs, we would want near the top. Like, and we went through all the list of a lot of the rookies and we, and we talked about McLaurin and we said, we didn't think it would cost like pick eight. And I don't think right. it would. I still think because McLaurin's draft capital last year in most rookie drafts wasn't a first round pick, probably wasn't even a top of the second round pick. I got probably, him in the fourth, I got him the third, fourth fourth round in like yeah. every dynasty league I was in. Yeah. And I mean, every league I got him. And, you know, I didn't know he was this good. I just thought he's going to be the most NFL ready because he's such a smart kid. When you hear him talk, he understands the game so well. He's super mature. I just figured he's going to be capable. I mean, obviously as athletic, he's physical and everything like that. He's going to be capable of going into an NFL locker room and learning the playbook right away. And then he lands with Washington. There's nobody in his way. I thought, this is the number one wide receiver for Washington right away. Yeah. And and when I think, let's be honest, draft capital, even in rookie drafts and dynasty leagues, does have some merit. So if someone drafted him in the third round last year, like you said, fourth round. Right. Or, or even if it got, as it got closer to the season, maybe late second or early third, if you sit there and offer like, pick 12 or pick 14 or pick 15, like a second and a third rounder. I think that might get him. And I'm not sure that I think I'd prefer McLaurin to that because I think he's going to be a really, I think he's going to be a guy that is year in and year out as productive. And as the quarterback play becomes more consistent, I don't think you're going to see McLaurin just producing more and more. Sure. And it's going to be really, it's going to be fun to watch McLaurin and see that development. Cause I don't think he, I don't think he's getting the, the the full credit and the attention as like you're seeing him and as I'm seeing him. I think people think he had a good year, but but the stats aren't nearly as gaudy, partially because Dwayne Haskins missed him, like you said, almost 30 points left out there. And I think that might open up an opportunity combined with this year's excitement over the 2020 rookie class that there might be a buying window better than it should be for Terry McLaurin. So I'm glad you I'm glad you're high on him and we talked about him. One who, guy. who do you like better between McLaurin and Debo Samuel? I have Debo Samuel one spot ahead of him in my, in my right now dynasty yeah. rookie rankings. You Let's know, hear- I like McLaurin a lot, but for, for dynasty, I just think Debo has a better, better opportunity here. I mean, he's playing in Shanahan's system. Yeah, I, I love Shanahan's system. And, and, and let's be honest, sometimes there is a little bias in our pre-draft narratives. Last year for me, 
My top of the order was A.J. Brown 1, Marquise Brown 2, Calvin Harmon 3, and Debo Samuel 4. So oh, I, I love I, hearing you say Harmon. We got to talk about him before this is over. So I was a big I was a big Debo guy. You know, I had him ahead of Nikhil Harry, and people looked at me like I was crazy. I had him a, a ahead of Hakeem Butler. All these guys that people were like, you know. I think I would have yelled at you if you told Butler. me you had him over Harry. I would have been so mad at you. <laughs> yeah, like like I had him over these over these guys and like I had Nikhil Harry at like six or seven last year. Oh, him man. him and Hakeem Butler were right at like six and seven, I think. So I think I think DK Metcalf was my number five there, rounding out my top five from last year. But I was a huge Samuel fan. So to see him come in and have an impact that he's had already with the opportunity, I think, still to grow and be even more involved in that off offense in year two. Now I do want to be a little reserved. We thought the same thing last year about Dante Pettis. And then he's just He's vanished into thin air, but I think that I think to this day I still think there has to be more behind the scenes that we're unaware Who of. Who knows what with, the with heck is going on there? Because he was too productive year one to just basically fall out of favor the way he did. But right. but I would my, my right now starts with AJ Brown followed by Debo Samuel, and then it would be then right now and then it's DK Metcalf. So that's just right now if I was drafting the startup dynasty league. For me, but I could understand DK Metcalf one. We had the conversation already. I get it. Uh, but, that, but that just shows you how big of a fan I am of Debo. I want to bring up this guy because this is the guy that intrigues me the most, but I think is the most confusing to try to put pinpoint his dynasty value. What are we to make about Marquise Brown? Because mm. is he just going to be a guy who's Deshaun Jackson, hit or miss, Will Fuller? Is that going to be Marquise Brown? for the duration of his career because Lamar Jackson and the offense Baltimore has built is never going to be an offense that week in and week out has that target consistency where we know every single week Marquise Brown is going to get seven to 10 targets. And that's if, never going to happen. So, so if that's never going to happen, can we put him as high as some of these other guys? Can he be up there with McLaurin and DK Metcalf and AJ Brown and Debo Samuel in a top five or top six when it's so hit or miss in terms of consistent passing production yeah. for, 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 for Baltimore? We know Lamar Jackson has shown great strides this year in terms of his passing game. But do we think next year or moving forward, Marquise Brown is going to become the clear, consistent guy there? Where do you kind of stand on Marquise Brown long term? So you said Deshaun Jackson, right? And you said seven targets per game. Are we ever going to get there? That's 112 targets in a season. Deshaun Jackson in 2009, 117 targets. So just above seven targets per game. 2010, 95 targets. We're looking at a little more than six targets per game. You know where he ranked in fantasy those years? Wide receiver number four, wide receiver number 14. I'll tell you what, if Marquise Brown is Deshaun Jackson, heck yeah, I would love that. I think it's more likely that he's Will Fuller. Um, and that, those aren't the only two years. He was wide receiver 11 in 2013, wide receiver 17 in 2014. Last year, he only played 12 games and he was wide receiver 33. It's a really dang good player to be compared to. Um, I think Brown can become that guy. I'm also worried about the injuries, though, right? We've seen it time and time again with Marquise Brown. And because of that, I'm not willing to trust him uh, to rank him ahead of guys like, um, you know, along with McLaurin and Metcalf and A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel. I'd put him right there in that tier with Nikhil Harry, uh, with Hardman. Uh, and I, I would slide even um, Andy Isabella and, and Kelvin Harmon up to that tier. Yeah, well, well let's, let's talk about uh, Nikhil Harry for a second. 
what are we to make of this year from Nikhil Harry? And what are we to make of it? Are we just going to throw this out and say he was hurt? He was learning the system. Is is that what the pro Nikhil Harry has to be? I think so. But I'll tell you what, how many times have we seen rookie wide receivers disappoint to this level and then bounce back like once, twice? It never, ever happens. And I get it. He missed a lot of training camp. He missed a lot of the preseason. Uh, he didn't play weeks one through nine. He didn't know the system. He didn't get uh, Tom Brady's trust. He was playing behind Jacoby Myers at the end of the season for most of the time. I yeah. love Nikhil Harry. I think he's extremely talented. You listen to the guy talk. It's like, holy cow, this kid is how young? He is very wise. He understands the game. He's got a perfect attitude. And I th- I would think that type of player would work well. I loved Harry coming into the draft, but it's a bad landing spot. I don't know what's going to happen in New England with the quarterback this year. I don't know if Brady's returning or if he's going to the Chargers or or wherever he's going. I think Harry has a lot of talent, but I'm betting on history telling us the future. And history tells us when a rookie wide receiver performs like this, doesn't matter if it's injuries, he doesn't bounce back. It's it's not going to happen. If I had Nikhil Harry, I would sell him because I'd be willing to bet somebody's willing to pay more than I would, uh, you know, expect to get for him. Yeah, I 100% would be selling because that Patriots scheme, if Belichick's still there, that's something that, you know, it's always been hard to learn. Patriots have not had any success drafting wide receivers early. And I go back to something I said last year, right after the draft, when people were penciling in to kill Harry at 1.02. Some people even wanted to put him at 1.01 ahead of Josh Jacobs. And I said, it sounds so weird to say. But I think Nikhil Harry's landing spot isn't very good. And I think his success at New England is going to be better when arguably one of the best quarterbacks, maybe the best ever, in Tom Brady, retires. Because Nikhil Harry is a guy who his calling card is winning at the catch point. Winning right. he's, an a, he's a big A-dot guy, and uh, that's not Brady. Yeah, bro. like if you look at Tom Brady, the only time he's ever really said throw the ball up and let his guys go get it, it was Randy Moss and Rob Gronkowski, two of the right. all-time He's legend. not Randy Moss. He's not Rob Gronkowski. Exactly. I'm sorry. I like the kid. He's not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, so, so the only time Tom Brady <laughs> has ever really done that was when he had those guys. The rest of the time he sees who's open, he throws who's open. He trusts route running. That's why guys like, you know, he trusted, you know, you know, uh, Julian Edelman and Wes Welker and, you know, Dion Branch back in the day, et cetera, et cetera. Those route runners, when they get open, he, he, he attacks it. He's not a guy who's just going to throw the ball up. And I always thought Nikhil Harry was very much like an Alshon Jeffrey. He's going to win at the catch point. He's going to use his physicality, but that doesn't really coincide with how Tom Brady plays, especially late career Tom Brady and most of the career Tom Brady, besides when he had those two Hall of Famers. So I think it's really interesting. I agree with you. I'd be selling. We've talked about McCall Hardman a couple times. How high is his ceiling if Sammy Watkins is shown the door and he becomes a fixture in their two-wide slash three-wide sets next year? It's so hard to understand him and Tyreek Hill playing at the same time and what that would look like because we don't have any model for that. We've never seen two guys – of this same skill set on the field at the same time. So Hill is obviously going to take a lot of coverage. A lot of teams will bracket him. You can't just put your your number one corner on him and hope he can shadow him and contain him. It doesn't really work that way. And so if they bracket him, then, I mean, this is going to sound like hyperbole. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm not saying it's, you know, even a 25% chance. There is a, a real chance that next year, if Hardman is in the starting lineup, plays 80, 85% of the snaps, 
He outproduces Tyreek Hill just because of the coverage that Hill demands. And Hardman's a very similar player. I mean, we saw him, it was a smaller sample size, and maybe it's just a fluke. Like you remember a couple of years ago, Taylor Gabriel catching all these long touchdowns, Albert Wilson catching all these long touchdowns. But there's a big difference between Hardman and Taylor Gabriel, right? And Albert Wilson. I think Hardman, while he can't sustain this, can be such a playmaker that teams are going to have to decide if they want to contain Hill or Hardman. Yeah, and then you also have to worry about Travis Kelsey. There's so many options there. Right. And, and the funny and, part and is- whatever running back they draft this year because that guy is going to be a second-round pick. Absolutely, and, and that's it's going to be another weapon. And you talked about sustaining his success right now. Let's. I feel like that same conversation was said about Tyree Kill early in his Kansas City career. Oh, he can't keep doing this. Oh, he I can't, was so much against Hill. Yeah, he, that was me, he, man. <laughs> he can't. He can't keep producing all these big plays because that was what logic would dictate. Like that, we hadn't seen somebody do this, and Tyree Kill just kept doing it and just kept doing it. Right. Until he eventually pushed his way into the narrative of being a legitimate top 10 receiver in the league, top, you know, 10 fantasy or whatever, better than that. So I'm, I've been a huge Nicole Hartman fan. Like people, people thought I was crazy after the draft when I had him ranked ahead of Nikhil Harry. Like, but that's just, I, man, I, you should have told Hartman. me, man. You should have convinced <laughs> me into that. Oh, I, I love that. I saw Nicole Harmon and I, when he, I liked him pre-draft. He was like my number seven or eight. I'm not going to say pre-draft. I had him ahead of Nikhil Harry, but after the draft, I did not like the landing spot of Nikhil Harry to New England. And I loved the landing spot. Now remember right after the draft, we thought Tyree kill was maybe done playing football, especially with the chiefs. So initially, sure. initially that had something to do with it. But right now in my post season rankings right here, I have Nicole Harmon at six. I have Nikhil Harry down at eight sure. like in I terms don't have of a problem with that forward. i mean it would be and, one thing if like joe flacco was thrown to hardman but we're talking about patrick freaking mahomes yeah he's probably he's locked in for patrick mahomes for the, for his whole rookie contract more than that if they re-sign him which my guess is kansas city would probably look to do that and mccall is a very young player with a lot of development and growth and if he's showing it i think they're going to be willing to to keep him there so i think i think the sky is real high on mccall hardman and he's another guy I think people are going to look at his stats, say to themselves, little fluky, not sustainable. And to be honest with you, he's an early, I don't, every day, every dynasty league is a little bit different. To me, he's an early attack offseason buy because try to buy him in dynasty leagues before, before Sammy Watkins Sammy leaves. Watkins. <laughs> Because once and they it's, it's happening, him, there's no way he's coming back. Hundred percent, I think it's like a sixteen million. I think they save like sixteen million dollars off the cap. Like most of Sammy Watkins's money has been paid for. That they take huge cap savings if they yeah. release him and they could invest that in somewhere else on their team. And it might not be in in February or the rest of January. It probably won't be the closer to the start of the NFL season. So for people who play in dynasty leagues that it's open right now, you could already start making trades. Nicole Hardman is an early offseason buy because the minute they cut Sammy Watkins, Hardman's value and cost in a trade is going to go up substantially. But right now, people look at his year. People look at the draft class like I talked about. I bet Mikael Hardman can be had for a mid to late second round rookie pick. And yeah. and give me Mikael Hardman attached to Patrick Mahomes for that all day. Me too, especially since I don't have to spend a second round pick on Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think I can get him in the third or fourth round, and I'm so psyched about it. Have you seen this kid play football from Michigan? Yeah, love him. Love him. I mean, yep. the, the, the scheme is just awful, which really is going to hide him. 
But you watch him play, and it's like, dude, this could be a superstar, and he's going to go totally under the radar. So, yeah, if I had to trade my third-round pick, I don't think I'd do that for anybody because I want to take Donovan Peoples-Jones there. Yeah, I, I get it. Listen, I think Diamond Peoples-Jones is probably going to be a second or third round real life pick. So maybe his value comes up. Uh, I think I think there's always a disconnect sometimes with the analytical people. And I always find it funny because I'm a math teacher. But I think sometimes the analytics go too far over the top. Diamond Peoples-Jones is a really talented player. Don't get lost his in highlight the highlight film. Like the highs are I, – I won't say they're as good as C.D. Lamb. Um or or Judy, obviously, but they are, man, they are right up there. They're like 1B. He's phenomenal. Yeah, he's one of those guys that I, I feel very comfortable saying much better pro career than collegiate career. Hands yeah, number, number one high school recruit wide receiver as well in yep. this class. He's just a stud. But, Absolutely. Um, yeah, every time you say Hardman, I think that you're saying Harmon for a second. And I also <laughs> like Harmon a lot. Where do you have him ranked? Yeah, well, right now I have him. I have him a little bit lower down. He's like a like a number eleven or twelve right now. But remember, I was a huge. I was a huge fan. He was most of last college football season, not the one that just passed. Most of last college football season, I had him as my number one wide receiver Ooh. going into his final season. Then, as the year went on, I I I I, I reviewed their last you know year in college, and then like I said, AJ Brown ended up at one, Marquise Brown at two. Calvin Harmon said it three before the draft started. It's like and a better I version was, of Harry, isn't he? I was blow. Yeah, I liked him more than the kill Harry. And again, that was not a very popular take. And I was blown away. Listen, I knew he, I knew he wasn't going to kill the combine. And I also, I, I knew he was going to fall a little bit in the draft. I didn't think he was going to fall to as far as he did. I think it was the sixth round, if I remember incorrectly. I liked that he got some opportunity this year. And I liked that he showed some things. My concern is they're going to invest. They have a lot of holes, but with a young quarterback, my thinking is they're probably going to invest in a either a pretty big, relevant free agent wide receiver or another top 100 pick type wide receiver. So he's a little bit further down my rankings because I am a little bit concerned about long-term opportunity. If I knew he was okay. going to get a full opportunity to be a starter next year and it was him and McLaurin and that was it moving forward, He'd be much more in that seven, eight, nine range. And I would say, you know what? I'm going to forget about that draft stock, you know, but I think right now the draft stock and the draft capital that Washington spent on him has me a little concerned that they were going to invest another pretty high pick. Whatever people want to say, draft stock sometimes matters in terms of the leash that these guys get early in their careers. So so I'm a little, do you like him more than our Seagull Whiteside? I have the Whiteside. I always say that name wrong. I have them back to back. Okay. That's where they are right now. I have Arcega Whiteside one spot higher because I think Alshon Jeffrey might not be in Philadelphia, and I still think they're going to give him every opportunity to earn a bigger role there. But man, it didn't look good this year. He looked no, bad. It didn't. No, and I, I mean, and I don't, I don't like Arcega Whiteside. Pre-draft, there was a massive gap with them. I had Harmon up at three, and I had Arcega Whiteside down at like eleven. Like mm-hmm. I was not a big Arcega Whiteside fan pre-draft. And even post-draft, I was not all in on Arcega Whiteside like some people were. Uh, but obviously I had to move Harmon down because I didn't even know if he was going to see the field or even make the roster. Uh, sure. So I, I'm holding my I'm holding my fandom of Calvin Harmon a little bit back so I don't let my pre-draft love of him, you know, skew me too much in one <laughs> direction on Calvin Harmon. Yeah, you know, you haven't even mentioned a couple of my favorites. Um, these are two guys that when I watched the tape, especially especially in the preseason, I got really excited about them. And they weren't like, 
hey, you need to draft these guys, but it was keep them on waiver wire speed dial because when they get snaps, these are going to be some serious football players. We finally saw it play out with Preston Williams and Darius Slayton. Yes. I, I mean, as a Giants fan, very comfortable talking about Darius Slayton. I mean, I thought the Giants got a steal in him and I thought he was going to add a vertical element and he did, but I, I wasn't expecting his nuance and his refinement as an overall player at the wide receiver position. I was really impressed with him. The, the questions I have about Slayton and, and I, I have him ahead of Nikhil Harry right now. How crazy is that? A Giants fifth round rookie pick. Fifth round might have even been sixth round. I don't stuck remember. Behind, stuck Fifth, behind Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard and splitting cut targets with pick. Barkley and Ingram. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you're right. Fifth or sixth round rookie pick. I, I mean, I just t- had this conversation about Calvin Harmon, but I think there's, I think he's already proven his 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 word to the Giants that. I don't know if Golden Tate's going to be back next year. Sure. They can get out of his guaranteed money because of the, the failed PED suspension. So that's something they might do. I don't think they do. I think they keep him for one more year. But I do think there's a strong possibility Darius Slayton is a top three wide receiver on their team next year. I think for sure he's third. And I think Tate at most is here one more year. And then Slayton moves into the starting lineup. And I love the chemistry he showed with Daniel Jones this year. Obviously, now we're going to have a new scheme in there, so that's going to change things up a little bit. But I think I thought he was a steal on draft day, and I thought he showed much more complete, well-roundedness to his game. And so I'm a fan of him, and I, I love that you brought up Preston Williams because his injury was really so freaking good, isn't he? Oh, so good, and his injury was so unfortunate because it looked like he was just about to take off. I, I know you. But he was my- playing up to par with Devontae Parker, and Devontae Parker finished as a wide receiver one. Yeah, and I was just going to say, I know you and Mike have been long supporters. You guys gave Devontae Parker more support over the years than probably anybody, and he finally paid We died on that hill, man, and we were dead, too. Like, people were beating the dead horse every time Parker had a bad game. They would always tweet at us. We were like, just wait. Just wait until he's 40 years old. He'll be good. (laughs) And he literally rose up this year, and I'll use a a wrestling reference, literally like The Undertaker. Devontae Parker literally (laughs) rose up from fantasy – burial and became this guy you do wonder i do wonder a little bit as great as Devonte parker was what how would it have looked there if preston williams was healthy the whole year right like you wonder and i'm or not if, saying or if ryan fitzpatrick had started the whole year yeah so i think i think preston williams is another one of those guys that can be bought dirt cheap because people are going to remember preston williams you know, not having any draft capital attached to him coming off of an injury and Right now, I think he's an. I think it's an opportunity to buy him really cheap. I bet you can get him for. You know, you talked about where you drafted Terry McLaurin. You probably can get him for a late third or fourth or Holy fifth. Holy cow, man! If that is true, I'm I would doing it big time. I, but I, I, I have Preston Williams in a lot of leagues. So I don't need to. Yeah, and 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 I think most people are going to look at it and think to themselves, they're probably going to invest in, a, in another, you know, another wide receiver pretty early. They have Devontae Parker. Maybe they're looking to get him a long term compliment. But I think maybe it's Preston Williams. I think Miami, with all their holes, could easily pivot to a different position and a different direction and not spend early draft capital or free agent dollars at the wide receiver position. Obviously, we don't know about the medicals. That that's a big factor in this for sure. But I, I but I'm I'm right there with you. I think yeah. I think Preston Williams the sky is pretty high. Any other wide receivers, any thought, any quick thoughts on Paris Campbell, what maybe year two sure. holds for him or Deontay Johnson, uh, miles Boykin. Is there enough to go around in like Baltimore Boykin. for another no, guy to yeah. Jalen Hurd? Are we going to hear anything out of him? 
I, I'm not very high on Jalen Hurd. I'm not very high on uh, on Boykin. Um, now, it's interesting because, you know, I was just talking about Nikhil Harry and what, what do you do when you've got a wide receiver who just didn't do anything as a rookie? Well, that's Paris Campbell all, all over again. And I loved him when he was drafted because, duh, Andrew freaking Luck. Andrew Luck's gone now. I have no idea what they're going to do at uh, at quarterback. I mean, I, I don't think Brissett's the answer. Maybe they draft a guy they're picking late enough that I don't think they'll be able to get someone who's ready. Maybe this is where a Joe Flacco ends up or an Andy Dalton. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe Cam Newton ends up here. None of those are really options that make Paris Campbell who I thought he would be, which is an exact replica of T.Y. Hilton. But T.Y. Hilton was T.Y. Hilton because of Andrew Luck. You saw him without Andrew Luck, and what was he? He's a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. I think that's Campbell's ceiling, unfortunately, unless he has a dominant quarterback, and I don't think he's getting one. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of right there with you. I kind of agree with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's unfortunate too, because I really like Paris Campbell and, you know, we don't know. I mean, there's talk that they're going to move on from Brissett or bring in competition and that could change the whole narrative. If they, if they land a, a different quarterback or they make an ab- aggressive, bold move up for a quarterback in the draft, or if it's not this year, to, you know, maybe next year or something, I think that'll change the narrative. But if it's Jacoby Brissett or something like that, it's hard to really get excited over Paris Campbell uh, as much as I wanted to in the pre-draft process and then even right after the draft like you talked about you know when we thought he was going to be attached to Andrew Luck but I'll tell you what I still rather take my chances with Paris Campbell than a guy like Arcega Whiteside yeah that's that's just how down I am on Arcega Whiteside anything about Andy Isabella I know is it yeah I like I like Isabella actually better than Deontay Johnson mostly because of the system that he's in I would imagine Isabella is going to be out there a lot Uh, I am a big metrics guy um, and, and this guy was, uh, he just jumped off the page in college. Now we didn't get the opportunity. He's extraordinarily fast, uh, with Larry Fitzgerald retiring. I would imagine Isabel is going to jump right into a scheme, uh, that is primed and ready to go. They need to fix the offensive line a little bit, but Kyler Murray, when he was healthy, he was cruising and you get Isabella in there. Maybe you bring in another wide receiver. Obviously you've got Christian Kirk. Uh, Kenyon Drake is, is cruising now. I think what they do actually, we were talking about this in the podcast today. David Johnson was a wide receiver in college, right? You put mm-hmm. him out in the slot. You let Kenyon Drake be the running back. You've got some serious weapons there. And maybe Isabella isn't super consistent. And so I don't like him as much as uh, some of the other guys. But um, I do think he can be a reliable wide receiver four type of flex play as soon as next year. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with that. It's stunning he didn't get more opportunities this year with, with what you would think they would right. want to get their top 100 pick. Like they're playing Keyshawn Johnson over him. I don't understand. Yeah, it was weird. So that's going to be interesting to kind of follow that closely. I think we've covered just about all the wide receivers that are worthy of talking about. Let's uh, take this There's the- only one other that I want to bring up just really quick. This is a really good football player, Jacoby Myers. Now, I don't know what's going to happen again in New England, but uh, – I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to rank Jacoby Myers over Nikhil Harry, but he's a better football player. Jacoby Myers is great. Yeah, I I, I like Jacoby Myers a lot. There was a couple leagues that I tried. He's to- a better football player now. He doesn't have anywhere near as much potential. Yeah, sorry. And and it was interesting because he was a guy who a lot of people liked him during his final season at NC State and thought he was going to be a draftable guy, like and didn't really think that he was going to go as a UDFA. So that was a little surprising. But if you just if you if you just had no idea where these guys got picked and you just watched Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers on the field this year when they were on the field at the same time. Right. Exactly. Any unbiased perspective would say Jacoby Myers looked like the better football player this year. There just wasn't a lot that Nikhil Harry did. Now I'm not saying that. I think he's already like hit his ceiling though. That's the issue with him, right? (laughs) Yeah. He's a guy. He's a guy that if there was no Julian Edelman, 
could do some of the things that Julian Edelman does and move inside. I think he's probably best in the slot, a little bit outside. I think he could be a very productive player in the Patriots system if there wasn't an established guy like Julian Edelman there. Yeah. So, yeah. I think he's a, a little like Tyler Boyd and Tyler Boyd, yeah. you know, was great when he had the opportunity to be great. Not great. Yeah. He was a low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three. I could see Myers playing that role, but again, the scheme needs to open up to him. Yeah, absolutely. So let's take this to the tight end position because that was an interesting in its own right. We obviously had the two big first round picks uh, in Hawkinson and Fant. We had a bunch of guys in the second round from Irv Smith Jr. to Dawson Knox, Jay Sternberger, Josh Oliver, Cahill Waring. Yeah. Um, I think Foster Moreau was an early third round, uh, early day three pick. Uh, Thoughts at the top with Hawkinson and Fant. Obviously, Hawkinson had that monster week one against Arizona. Everybody got really excited. I mean, listen, he's got a lot of potential, but he just wasn't used a lot this year. And then Fant, while inconsistent, showed some explosiveness this year at times. Where do you kind of sit on Hawkinson and Fant? Do you feel similarly about them in terms of wanting to get them on your rosters? Is there one that you prefer significantly more than the other? I've got to be honest. For Dynasty, I kind of just ignore tight ends as rookies not that i don't do analysis on them but it's just like no matter what we see it's not going to change my opinion Uh, obviously we had a case like rob gronkowski who's an all-time great tight end i actually think tony gonzalez had a better career don't tell anyone i said that but um, (laughs) i don't think gronk was the greatest of all time basically and then we had evan ingram who i mean who were the other wide receivers that they i can't even remember their names because everybody got hurt over there that year and so, of course, they had to pass the ball to Ingram. He was actually extraordinarily inefficient, but everyone thought he was just so great because he, you know, racked up the numbers with the volume. I don't care what Hawkinson did. We know exactly who he is. It's probably not going to happen in year two either. Um, same with Noah Fant. Noah Fant flashed at times, um, but it's probably not going to happen in year two for him either. I'm actually waiting to buy these guys until everyone's just like, okay, I'm tossing them aside. They're not going to be anything. And then we get an Eric Ebron type breakout. That's what happens all the time with tight ends. Yeah, you're you're right. Tight ends are a position. I thought people were way too overvaluing these guys in rookie drafts last year. Yeah. I saw them going like fifth overall, sixth overall, first like consistently in the first round uh, or early part of round two. And listen, I get it. Everyone's hoping to find that guy who becomes a next top five tight end, which is, you know, top six, whatever, you know, and I know before the season started, I went and bought Mark Andrews in a couple of dynasty leagues because I nice. you almost have to try to be ahead of the curve a little bit. And I thought Andrews was going to get an opportunity. I bought him for a mid third round rookie pick. Obviously that paid off well. Uh, so I do think this tight end class incoming very weak. So I do think if you need a tight end, you don't like Albert O? not nearly as much Ooh, as these man. guys. I love Albert O. He's, he's probably, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. I'm probably never going to try. Yeah, it's just it, really it, intimidating. Yeah. It, it, we've just decided to call him Albert O on the Saturday, yeah. Sunday podcast as well here, because we, we tried it once or twice and I felt like we still weren't getting it right. Uh, He's actually right now third or fourth on my tight end rank. Okay. All right. So, uh, we'll, we'll have to talk about that one in the off season. By absolutely. the way, have you seen that new Iowa kid, Sam Laporta? Laporta? No. Holy cow, man. Okay. This guy, he, he was a true freshman starting for Iowa. That's something that Hawkinson didn't do. Fant didn't do. Kittle didn't do. And he's he's a big old dude, too. He's 6'4", uh, 240, runs like a 4'5", a 4'6". He is the next stud tight end prospect. And I think next year he might win the award for being the best tight end in football. He's 
he looked awesome at the end of the year. He was like their go-to guy. Yeah, well, I, I mean, they do produce tight ends, so I mean, that's going to be something, you know, that definitely we gotta definitely gotta follow closely. So that's a name I gotta get on my radar. Yeah, uh, Sam Laporta for everyone listening. Sorry, sorry for interrupting you there. No, I just got no, too not, excited. Not at all. So just going back to Hawkinson and Fan, I do think there's an opportunity. Again, I keep bringing back people are going to get very excited about this upcoming draft class. That if you need a tight end. And you were thinking about maybe investing in one in the second round of this year's rookie draft. I would check in with the Hawkinson and Fant owner. Maybe they're a little disappointed in their year one, understandably so, uh, especially Hawkinson even more than Fant. Maybe they they drafted him last year because they just thought it was good value, but they have another tight end on their roster they're comfortable with. And then you throw a mid-second round pick. Because you really need a tight end, but then you're comparing Hawkinson and Fan to Albert O, Hunter Bryant, you know, Colby Parkinson, the, Cole Komet. Those are going to be the guys that we're talking about. In terms who again of- are all like three years away from actually being fantasy relevant. Exactly. But someone who's desperate for a tight end might think, "Oh, I'm going to take them in the second round of a rookie draft." And if you're going to, if you're thinking that way, you're going to make that investment anyway in a tight end. Well, then I would basically offer up that pick and try to get these guys who are already one year in the league. They they already started that curve and that learning experience and they have more draft capital attached to them so that would be one thing that i'd be interested in i I gotta be honest with you the guy i'm most excited about and it really is all dependent upon if that if kyle rudolph is still back with the vikings next year i think irv smith could be a really impactful player at the nfl level i think he's the best wide receiver of the three like hawkinson and fant they're complete players uh, they block extraordinarily well. Fant can break a big run. In terms of just being a pure wide receiver, I think Smith's a little bit ahead of all, of both of them. Yeah, I think his route refinement, his route understanding, I think he's the best receiver of the bunch. It's yep. really just about opportunities. So if Rudolph was gone and he becomes a 70% player, let's say, I'm not going to sit here and say 90 or 100. If he became a 70% player in terms of on the field for their offensive snaps, I think Irv Smith could be a tight end one next year. He could be a top 12 guy. You know, obviously we understand after the top five or six, you know, this, this 20 names that could be, you know, in consideration for that. But I, I, if I'll say this, if Kyle Rudolph, it moves on this year, I think Irv Smith could be next year's Mark Andrews breakout, the tight end position. That's not going to fight. I am not going to fight you on that. Now, is he going to do it on 35% of the team snaps like Mark Andrews did? <laughs> that, that I don't think. That's, that's I, impossible. That's how did, how that's did Mark 70%. Andrews do that? Like, can you imagine if Mark Andrews plays 80% of the team snaps next year? Like, is he the tight end one if he does that? I, I, maybe. I just don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if it's ever going to, I don't know if it's ever going to happen though, because yeah, they don't right, right. so much, but, but, but yeah, like we don't even know what his upside is. Uh, any any thoughts on any of the other guys that intrigue you? Anyone else intrigue you between Knox, Sternberger, um, Oliver? I mean, Warren yeah. was on IR the whole year, so that's a complete crapshoot. Anybody between Knox, Sternberger, and Oliver, if you were going to try to get one of them on your roster, you know, cheap, cheap, and just kind of hold and, and wait and see what happens, do you prefer the guy we saw the most out of this year in Knox, or would you still pivot to Sternberger with Rodgers or Oliver in Jacksonville? I, I'm glad you brought all three of these guys up. So what it really comes down to for me is, Sternberger's tied with Aaron Rodgers, which is awesome. And rookie wide receivers, rookie t- rookie pass catchers, or first-year pass catchers in a system, someone they sign off free agency, they never do anything in their first year. And so there's some upside there. Dawson Knox, I think, is the best football player of this bunch. But in terms of fantasy, I'd rather have Josh Oliver. And I think he's the third best football player of this bunch. And really what it comes down to is, 
I think Nick Foles probably starts the year next year for, for Jacksonville. And Nick Foles loves, loves tight ends. Josh Oliver's probably going to end up starting. So that's really the only reason I like him. Now, I won't rank him in my top 15 or, or really even 20, but I do think he has that breakout potential if he starts and if full starts. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And one last tight end to round out the night. Keep a close eye on Caden Smith because there's been rumble sure. in New York, and I don't, I don't agree with this, and I hope it doesn't happen, and I think it would be really short-sighted if they do. But there continues at times to be rumblings that the Giants maybe would, would consider moving Evan Ingram in a trade if the deal, if the right deal interesting uh, presented itself whether whether they have concerns about his durability they don't want to invest in a, in his second contract so they think maybe with two with this year and then the fifth year option which is only like six million dollars so i think it would be worthy that right now if they were to trade him might be his highest value because a team would look at him and say they're getting two pretty good cost controlled years for him for mm-hmm. a guy who is you know a first round pick I think the Giants would be foolish to to take another weapon away from Daniel Jones. But again, we don't know with with Joe Judge and the new offensive staff and and with even Gettleman. Gettleman didn't draft Ingram, so there's not a lot of attachment there. As we've seen, he's traded away and got rid of a lot of guys that were Jerry Reese picks. Uh, But Caden Smith showed down the stretch that he has a lot of chemistry with Daniel Jones. And he's not. I mean, listen, Caden Smith is not going to wow anybody with his athleticism. But he just knows how to get open, and he has he uses his body well. He he frames you know defenders out. He has good hands. This was all stuff he did at Stanford. There was a period of time people thought Kane Smith was going to be a top one hundred pick, and then he and then he really struggled athletically at the combine, and he just kind of fell a little bit, and ended up getting drafted by San Francisco in the sixth round. Giants poached him off the practice squad, I believe, but. There's clearly something there that Caden Smith could be a Jack Doyle-like player. And if he was given the opportunity and the chemistry that he that he's shown, he's basically late career Jason Witten. Like, he's not going to win anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He basically just he runs his routes, gets open, usually falls down. But but he's a guy that the Giants seem to really think highly of. So he's just a guy. Keep it in the back of your mind for people playing, you know, two tight end leagues or or tight end premium leagues and maybe just want to put him on your roster in the offseason if he's not on a team and just kind of see what happens with Evan Ingram. Man, I wish Elise Mack would have got his chance because that was a uh, a quality, quality athlete. He's a free agent. He's probably, you know, he'll make a practice squad next year. But he was someone I was kind of excited to get in the last round of drafts and you know, it was the lottery ticket. Of course, it didn't work out, but, um, you know, those are the guys that I like to target. Absolutely. And it was this show last year that me and you waxed poetically about Dallas Goddard and his upside. Yeah, and it, baby. And it's, still, it's still showing. I'm drafting him everywhere next year. <laughs> and the only thing that stinks is I just read an article today that said, I think it was Peterson or Howie Roseman said, any talk that we're thinking about moving on from Zach Ertz is just foolishness. We're going to play both these tight ends. We love both these tight ends. And while I'm with me, I mean, I would love to see Josh Goddard though, right? While while that doesn't deter me from thinking Goddard is clearly still in the tight end one mix next year and a guy I will be investing in. I, we talked, we said it last year that Dallas Goddard literally has Travis Kelsey like upside if he ever got the opportunity. Yes, he does. But if Zach, yes, Ertz, he does. If Zach Ertz is there for the duration of his contract, and there well, is I mean, he's 30 years old. We'll see. We'll see how long it lasts. We'll see. We'll see. But again, anyone who, 
anyone who anyone out there in dynasty leagues just check in on the Dallas Goddard owner especially if you if like once it's known especially after today Zach Ertz is coming back just make sure that the person who has Dallas Goddard loves him as much as me and Bobby yeah. does and make sure that he's valuing him appropriately because if not he's still a tremendous buy I remember if you had Tyler Higby would you trade him straight up for Goddard would I would I trade Higby for Goddard or the other yeah. way around? Yeah, Higby for Goddard. Yes, hundred percent. Me too. And I, and I think you could probably do that if you're listening at home. Hundred percent. Last year, just to tell you what I was able to do last year. Last year, Chris Herndon had a really good rookie tight end season. Really, yeah. good. I traded I traded Chris Herndon and my second round pick to somebody for Dallas Goddard and their fourth round pick. And I, people looked at me, you are a raised eyebrows, <laughs> with raised eyebrows that I traded away the tight end that was better and the second round pick and just got back a fourth round pick and Goddard. But I had Ertz already. I had Evan Ingram and I was like, you know what? I can wait. I can wait. Is on that fourth round pick for this year? No, no, that was last year. It was before the rookie draft oh, last okay. year. So, I was so, going to say, dude, if you get Donovan Peoples-Jones with that pick, it's going to be even better. <laughs> By the um, way, I'm, Kylan Hill, too. I'm sorry I keep bringing up all these rookies, but no. I don't know when we're going to talk next. Kylan freaking Hill is so good. Yeah, and, and he's going to be really lost in the shuffle. Like, he's like, I, yeah, he's like DeMarco Murray 2.0. You watch him. Oh, man, his tape is disgusting going up against the SEC behind a bad old line. Yeah, you're and, and you're going to – people – he's going to be a guy that – you, I don't think Donovan Peoples-Jones, by the time rookie drafts come around, will be a fourth-round pick. But I do think a guy like Kylan Hill might be because this this class in general right. is going to be so deep. Kylan Hill might be like the 12th or 13th running back taken. That's it's how just like Tony is. Pollard. And Tony Pollard was hidden because of his system. You know, he was behind Devin Singletary at Florida Atlantic, but he was a superior. I'm sorry. Wait, no, no, no. That was um, – who's the guy who played for uh, for the Steelers? Uh Kareth White was behind him at Florida Atlantic, so he was hidden. I'm trying yep. to remember where uh, Tony Pollard was. But regardless, he was hidden because of the system. But when you watch him, it's like, whoa, whoa, yeah. this guy's good. It's the same way with Kylan Hill, except a lot better. Yeah, I mean, Pollard played at Memphis with Darrell Henderson. so I That's mean, Darrell, what it was. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I got so those mixed up. So Darrell Henderson, you know, was the guy who got way more of the attention. But, I mean, Pollard was clearly a guy that the NFL thought highly of, you know, by picking him, as, you know, where they did. And I, I think I think he's going to be an impactful player down the stretch. But that's for that's for another time, another day. Man, Bobby. I'm drafting him everywhere next year in season long. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> Great. Absolutely. Bobby, this was an absolute blast. Thank you yeah. so much for coming on. Uh, please let the audience know i'm sure most of them are following you but let them know uh where they can follow you on twitter anything you want to pump up in terms of what you're doing over there at fantasy pros and mike yeah yeah so i'm on twitter at bobby fantasy pro i host the fantasy pros football podcast with mike taglier if you're a baseball fan i also do a baseball podcast the fantasy pros baseball podcast we just kicked off our last episode last night with nick pollock from the picture list and it was a great show so hope you guys will check that out really appreciate you guys listening Absolutely, guys. Make sure you check out their their football podcast. They're one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. Like I said, I was privileged to be on it last year. Very informative stuff throughout the year for DFS, for redraft. In the offseason, they talk a lot about, you know, the incoming rookies, you know, and dynasty stuff as well. So excellent podcast to listen to. Make sure you're following both him and Mike Taglier on Twitter as well. So on behalf of Bobby, on behalf of our sound and tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, Thank you for joining us, and we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.